0: Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. Match day three in the Premier League in the books. It's a big week ahead in soccer. We've got the Champions League draw coming up this week. The teams are getting ready to be qualified. A couple of them have qualified today. Ori Benatar here with Esteban Bailey. What better way to start a Top Flight Podcast by talking about Manchester United and how bad they've been because they lost again, this time 3-0 at home to Tottenham. First time Man U has ever dropped points to a team from London in 4 years at Old Trafford. What is happening? It is ridiculous what is going on.
1: I, I, it's, you know, I thought last week was shocking, but I mean, I never would have expected Tottenham, Tottenham, to be able to go into Old Trafford and break the London curse. I just don't understand. I don't understand how Tottenham has become this juggernaut of a squad, and I don't really know if if this is really Tottenham being such a great team in England, or if Manchester United is just this poor. Now, the one thing that I want to give a little bit of credit to to United is while they're. You know their players have been generally awful, with the lone exception of Luke Shaw, who's had actually a surprisingly really good start to the season, and you might even get called up to the England squad. Um, at least Mourinho decided to play in a more proactive style. Uh, he decided to go with a more attacking formation. He had more attacking talent in the f- on the field against Tottenham. It clearly didn't matter. It was one of the worst offensive first halves uh, I've seen in the Premier League this season. There were so many misplaced passes. Uh, It was kind of a slog to get through, and it's crazy. Mourinho tried to change it up, and he changed it up poorly, and now I'm not even sure if... I don't even know what kind of manager or what kind of personnel could fix this squad. This seems like this is a systemic issue that's running through Manchester United. What What do you think?
0: I don't know if it's a systemic issue, because... Manchester United, if they got a new manager, I think if they employed better tactics, I think they would be okay. It's it's not like their center backs are always this bad. It's not, you know, Eric Bailly and Victor Lindelof are not this bad. Chris Smalling and Phil Jones have had some really bad moments in the past, and they did not play well against Spurs, but they're not the worst center backs in the world. And, man, you have Paul Pogba and Romelu Lukaku, they have the pieces to get it together. It's just the attitude that's the issue here with Mourinho and his constant negativity. Ed Woodward has had some moments where he's been pretty grouchy too. So it's the play is trans, the play represents what's going on behind the scenes. You never want to see that with any team. If there's stuff happening behind the scenes, sometimes you use your results or you use the way you play to get away from that. But with Man U, It's showing on the field and it really shouldn't be. And I think the biggest problem with this team and has been since January is that they spent all this money on Alexis Sanchez and he hasn't produced
1: at all. I saw earlier today Alexandre Lacazette posted a picture on his Twitter page uh, of Alexis at Arsenal versus Alexis at Manchester United. And the first image is Alexis Sanchez fully ripped, going down the Emirates, uh, sliding on the floor, while the second image was of a, that, that kid that got onto the pitch in, in Serie A this past weekend where he just decided to do the Ronaldo slide. And you could see uh, he's a little larger as a kid, and it looked hilarious. Um, Alexis Sanchez has been terrible for United and here's a not this is not really a secret. He was terrible for Arsenal before he left too. Uh, the whole transfer saga where he was supposed to go to Manchester City last summer. When that fell through, he seemed completely unhappy with the club. He didn't want to be there. And his performances showed and he didn't performed nearly at the level that we've seen him at Barcelona and with his first couple seasons at Arsenal and it's crazy to me that his form has continued with Manchester United I mean he's supposed to be one of the most devastating forwards in the Premier League he was incredible his first three seasons at Arsenal Mm but i you know i don't know if it's the tactics though cuz like alexi sanchez is almost he's a player that can work in almost any tactical system he's a he's an attacking player that can create he's he's like ronaldo lite you can put him anywhere and he can be successful he can score goals he can create chances he can get assists he should be able to survive anywhere but as we've seen for the past few months he's just decided If it doesn't come through him, he doesn't want to play. So he has to create everything, and he keeps losing the ball in the middle of the park, which then leads to the opposition to create these uh, incredible chances and, of course, will eventually lead to a 3-0 defeat to Tottenham. To Tottenham! This is unbelievable. The Premier League history has always told us that Manchester United will beat Tottenham in Old Trafford. this This is code red, more so than the defeat to Brighton. This is code red for Manchester United fans everywhere.
0: I agree. It is it's just bad, not good, the fact that United had a 3-point advantage on Arsenal for the past for after week 1 and now they have the same amount of points because United's lost two straight. Arsenal's got their one win, same record as United, but United is right now the worst of the big 6 and it isn't even close right now. And with Sanchez, it may be about the players around him because at Barca, he had Iniesta, he had Messi, Passing it to him a lot. At Arsenal, he had Mezidozil. Now, I don't know your like Esteban, your big stance on Mezidozil, but for me, I think he's a much better provider than Paul Pogba. Would you agree with me on that?
1: I unfortunately I will not agree with you on that. I know the stats would prove really? me wrong. The stats would prove me wrong. Of course, Mezidozil has been the highest assist uh, player in Arsenal's like the last five years, and he had a, when Arsenal is playing well. Generally, it's because Mezidozil is doing very well. However. Um, I think Mesut Ozil is such a—he's such a luxury player that he can only work within an all-star team. Uh, he can't really work if the game, if the system is built around him and another player. Uh, we saw the limitations of that while they're at Arsenal. I think Pogba can work in any system. I don't know why Mourinho can't get him to play at the higher level that he's capable of. But even conservative managers like uh, Didier Deschamps in France were able to just use Pogba's ability to get those beautiful long balls and those beautiful through balls and just his ability to create in the final third. I think it's more impressive. And I, while I like Ozo and I don't hate him as much as a lot of Arsenal fans do, I think Pogba is a superior player. I think Pogba is a superior passer and I think he's a superior creative player.
0: Okay, I mean, I think he's a superior player in general, but I think the point more so I was making was that I don't know, because Ozil plays much more of an advanced role in the Premier League compared to Pogba. He was able to get Sanchez the ball a lot more and provide or even the likes of Jack Wilshere, Aaron Ramsey, when they were healthy and playing with Arsenal in their starting lineup. While United has just had this conservative style for so long, maybe Sanchez is just not used to the players around him, even though he's been with them now for almost a full calendar year not for a full season but we'll have to see if it improves but we might as well hit on Tottenham because we've been talking about United for uh, about eight minutes now Lucas Moore is a star do you think he stays in the starting lineup even with Son coming back
1: uh yeah absolutely I mean Son is a great player and uh, you know I don't want to you know, disgrace oh, the kind of quality that Son brings to the pitch. Uh, but Lucas Mora, he's undroppable at this moment in time. He scored in the last two games. Uh, his two goals against United were excellent, just they were frankly excellent. Um, I haven't seen a player like that on the wings playing at Tottenham for since like, since Bale. Uh, so, and um, obviously he's not the same kind of player as Bale, but, but he's, he's really interesting. He brings something totally different to the squad, even more different than uh, Son. You have the creative players like Ali and Ericsson. You have the finisher and Kane, but you don't really have a lot of these wing players that can truly create from, from the touchline and cut in, uh, which is something that Tottenham really needed. They thought Musa Sissoko would be able to do that for them, but obviously he has been kind of a bust since uh, signing for them, so I he's he, he, it's another thing. That I think Tottenham has probably the third best attack in the Premier League right now, uh, and Lucas Mora just makes that like 10 times better, which is going to be really good for Tottenham's season if they're going to genuinely t- challenge for the title, which at the current moment, it seems like they are, but I, I look, this Manchester United squad is so, so much in a mess that I'm not even sure how much credit I want to give to Tottenham. I, all I know is that they're very good defensively, And Harry Kane is the best striker in England, and they have a lot of creative players behind them. It seems like an extremely balanced squad with the right kind of superstars in each position. I just don't know if it's enough to maybe go past Liverpool or go past Manchester City.
0: Yeah, but now with Lucas playing well, you add that extra depth because he wasn't really getting into the squad so much. And even when he was playing in maybe like an EFL Cup game or in the FA Cup he wasn't exactly performing to the standard that people expected of him when he signed with PSG back a few years ago. So now you add that depth in Lucas, if he can have those performances in Champions League play and in the Premier League, Tottenham are going to be a force to be reckoned with as we move on to, uh, I guess the other big result of the weekend was Wolverhampton's draw with Manchester City. We all thought they met City was going to win this game, no problem. You did say that Wolves were going to hold them back a little bit, but let's be honest here. This was a lucky point for Wolves because of that handball goal. We got to talk about the fact that EPL needs to address this and needs to maybe bring VAR after this season.
1: I agree that the EPL needs to bring in VAR. Um, I think it was a success at the World Cup, especially in hindsight. I think it's just something that's going to help the game. Which is crazy because I, I know I was definitely a little apprehensive about it before the World Cup, but I, I think I think it's an effective system, and if they keep working on it, they can make it even more efficient. And I think it should be brought to England. Um, I do want to say though that handball, like I I don't I don't blame the referee for not seeing that it was pretty hidden. I didn't yeah, notice it. it on the Yeah, it was hard to zone. see. Yeah, exactly. Like it was hard to see. You know, I think if that would have happened in slightly different angles, maybe they would have seen it. But, you know, you you get since they don't have the AR, you can't review that. And I I don't blame the referee for doing that. I do want to push back a little bit that it's a lucky draw for Wolverhampton. It's not that I Manchester City is obviously a better team and Manchester City should have won considering the amount of chances they had uh, and the fact that they hit the woodwork uh, like two times or two or three times. Um, but Wolverhampton had the right game plan. They weren't just sitting back and just trying to withhold the pressure and do a counter like Rafa Benitez did against uh, Chelsea this past weekend, which we'll get to, I guess, later. But Wolverhampton pressed them. They tried to m- create mistakes from the Manchester City back line and from their midfielders, and they were able to get a couple, maybe not full-on chances, but they had at least half chances and just some sight on goal. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Wolverhampton you know deserved the like to win that match but I don't necessarily think that it was just a lucky break by Wolverhampton they played well they played the kind of way where you can get those lucky breaks because you are being progressive because you are trying to outmaneuver the opposition instead of just trying to hold back and sit back and do a counter so I think Wolverhampton was really impressive and I you know Manchester City is still the best team in England but Wolverhampton had a great game plan and more teams should try to follow that game plan.
0: Yeah. This game plan and this game, I think more so represents it's not that city are beatable cause city still might be unbeatable and might just still win the title with ease but more so that wolverhampton is here to stay and they're gonna be smart when they play these big teams and so far wolverhampton in their first three games they had pretty good tactics against everton just uh, saving it at the last minute to get a draw not a good performance against leicester and then getting the draw against manchester city two points in the first three games not bad at all for a newly promoted side um, it's just, I think, seeing a, a goal like that in the post-World Cup with VAR, it just makes me a little, you know, Manchester City sh- technically should have won this game one nothing because that goal would have been disallowed in any other league on the planet that has VAR. Like, now with VAR, I can't think otherwise about that because I have to look at every single controversial decision in the Premier League and think, if they had VAR, this is getting disallowed. So in that scenario, Manchester City wins one nil and they're sitting on nine points, just like Liverpool, Watford, Chelsea and Tottenham. Speaking of Liverpool and uh, all those other teams with nine points. So Liverpool won one nothing against Brighton. Salah scored. Allison kept his third straight clean sheet. When are they going to concede a goal? I mean, can Leicester score against them?
1: Uh, Leicester has a history of scoring against uh, Liverpool, obviously. Jamie Vardy was pretty incredible the last couple seasons. Um, But I'm not sure. I think the Liverpool defense is is much improved from last season. I think Joe Gomez is unheralded. Uh, His performances have been great for the most part. Uh, Van Dyke is obviously a rock at the back. Allison is awesome. I love that he is unafraid to dribble, and I hope he never changes, because uh, I just love his ability to play out the back, and I think that his ability to shot stop, his ability to pass, I mean, I can, I can see now, I mean, I knew last season, because I, I watch Roma a lot, but I can see why he was picked ahead of Ederson to be the Brazil number one at the World Cup. He's, he's a really special player, and I think you know, uh, there is that quote a couple years ago that John Terry said, or someone on Chelsea said, that Peter check was going to give 10 extra points to Arsenal uh, for the season. And I think you could realistically say the same thing about Allison. He's he made that great save uh, near the end of the game, where I, I thought, man, if that was Carrius or Mignolet, I don't think I think that would have been a draw, and then you know Liverpool would have dropped more points. But if he can keep making these saves, if he can, if he can you know keep marshalling the back line. That's a cup. That's going to be a lot of extra points. And as we've seen with Manchester City, the game is—you know—football is a game of margins. You know, little moments, little luck can change an entire season. And if you can at least have the players that can. Stop mistakes, or they can, you know, help you from committing mistakes, and you know, take out the whole element of referees and all this kind of stuff. Y- you're gonna have a better chance to do well in the league. So I, I think Allison has been great. We mentioned it before the season that I, you know, that he was one of the signings of the summer, and he's really proving it right now.
0: Definitely proving it. While as Liverpool is in first, Loris carrius is off to Besiktas, um for a two-year loan. So times have changed at Liverpool, and they are a very serious title threat. Chelsea, I think, should now be considered a serious title threat. Another victory, this time 2-1 over Newcastle on the road. An own goal, won it for them late in the game. Hazard scoring a penalty, a very good penalty. But Eden. I told you, Eden Hazard in the starting lineup changes this team. And they start Mateo Kovacic. But Jorginho has been the big difference maker. This guy is just all over the field. He is basically... Another Conte is just a bigger Conte.
1: He is, in a way, I think it's. What I like about Jorginho is that it's not about his tackling that makes him such a special player. It's his positioning, it's his passing, it's his movement. Uh, he's always available for the for the ball, and he's really smart about where he picks the ball. Conte can sometimes make a bad pass, but he's so quick and he's so good at defending that he can always make up for it. And he's just you know he's an extra player on the pitch because of how because of his work rate. Jorginho doesn't necessarily have the same kind of work rate as Conte, but he's still very intelligent. He's one of the most intelligent footballers we have in the Premier League right now, and that was the case last season when he was in uh, Napoli. So I think it was a very shrewd signing by uh, Chelsea. Definitely the kind of player, as I mentioned last week, and I'll probably mention till the day I die, that he's the kind of player that Arsenal desperately needed uh, when they purchased Granit Xhaka. Um, but I... I, I I I don't know yet if Chelsea... It's weird because I've seen Chelsea... I've watched Chelsea very closely for the last three weeks, um, and I think they're very good. And you're right that Eden Hazard changes the complexion of this team 100%. I still don't know if they can, like, really challenge for the title. I don't think they're as good as Manchester City, and I don't think they're as good as Liverpool. Um, They still gave up a goal. They still gave up two goals to Arsenal. Uh, They gave up a goal to Newcastle. The penalty was soft. um, And, you know, the DeAndre Yedlin own goal was unlucky. Uh, So while I do think that Chelsea's performances are improving steadily, uh, even though they, they have been very good so far. I just don't know if they're realistically a title contender.
0: I think, the, I think we'll get that answer, I think, once Europa League starts because we have to see what kind of team Maurizio Sarri is going to be putting out on those Thursdays when Chelsea has the Europa League game, and then they have to play either two days or three days later in a Premier League contest. Um, and the other perfect team in the league is Watford, who have just been splendid. 2-1 win at home against Crystal Palace. Roberto Pereira scored. Uh, Jose Holobas scored. Pereira now with three goals tied with... Um, numerous amounts of players at the top of the golden boot race. And Watford has set up a amazing game against Tottenham on Sunday, nine points against nine points. That is going to be very enjoyable to watch at Vicarage Road.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Watford has definitely been one of the biggest surprises of the season. I obviously picked them to get relegated at the beginning of the season. Obviously, I do not think that's going to happen um, unless, of course, they go on their midseason swoon, which is totally possible. Remember, Watford tends to go off in these great starts and then really cool down by Christmas. However, uh, Pereira has been a revelation this year I'm really, I'm really excited that he's playing very well. He's a player that I was watching for uh, when he was playing at Watford and at his previous clubs. I thought he's a very interesting talent. It's clear that he's going to get a big money deal either in January or next summer. Um, I'd love to see where he could go or where he could fit. Um, he might if maybe he, an
0: Argentina call up.
1: Maybe an Argentina call up, especially with all the dead weight being released, like Lucas Biglia and Mascherano. So. You know, I'm really he's a great player. I let me ask you, what, what's his transfer fee right now? Right now, with everybody
0: overinflated right now, I would say someone would pay 20, 25 million pounds for him. And if he keeps playing the way he is, it'll go up to 40.
1: I, I would have to agree, and I wonder which top six squad is going to take the the chance on him. I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Tottenham decides next summer that they want to strengthen the midfield with, since the Bella is getting older. I wouldn't be shocked if Arsenal, with their more pressing system, would like a player right. like him. Um, I don't see him. I don't see him going to a top six.
0: I would see him maybe making a move to like Serie A or maybe La Liga. I think he would play really well
1: in Italy or Spain. Well, where in where in Spain? Do you think he's like a top three club in Spain, like a Aleti or Real? I I
0: wouldn't say that yet. I mean we need to see how he plays the rest of the season. Obviously he's off to a, an amazing, amazing start, and Watford has been pure class right now and they've been tremendous. but I could foresee him as like a Sevilla player. If I had to right now his quality is at his best, I could see him playing for Sevilla and being a really important part of that team.
1: I mean I could see that too. I just wonder if maybe Pereira is thinking to himself, like if I can have this amazing season. I need to get higher wages and you're not going to get higher wages if you go to Sevilla uh Sevilla is that kind of feeder club that will buy the younger players that are cheaper and then try to sell them off for uh higher transfer fees but I really like sure. Pereira no I, I I still I really like Pereira I think he's going to be I think he's going to keep having a good season uh some I think I wonder if it's going to be like Richarlison last season where Richarlison had a really good start to the season um he kind of floundered by the middle of the season, but his quality was still there? Or if it's gonna be like a more of a decore style season where it's just kind of like a one season wonder and nobody really bites on trying to give him more money or, you know, try to get him into a bigger club. I I I think he's better than Decore. I think he's better than he's one of the best midfielders right now in the Premier League, at least from these first three games. I think he could help almost any squad. Um, but it, I think he's really like He's the talisman right now, so as long as this form continues, I think Wofford is going to be pretty good. So I, I would, I, if I was any Premier League top six squad, I'd be worried about playing Wofford.
0: Will be a tough match against Tottenham on Sunday. Going through the other results of match day three, Arsenal beating West Ham 3-1 at the Emirates. Happy with this result?
1: Uh, as happy as you can be. Uh, it was a little tricky in the beginning with Arnautovic scoring that... Just ridiculous goal because Peter Tech should have saved it. Nobody's talking about that, but I know it was a grass cutter, but it should have been saved. Um, Ozo's obviously the big story since he didn't play. Uh, I'm not sure if this team is so much better without him than it is with him. Uh, Aaron Ramsey was kind of non existent throughout the squad. It's clear that Aubameyang and Lacazette need to play together. Uh, I think a formation change is probably needed. Torreira and Granachaca might actually be a really good partnership, which is crazy that I just said that. That Granachaca could be a decent player on this team, but he had a pretty good game. It was one of his best games in an Arsenal shirt. That was very understated. So I'm as happy as you can be. West Ham, I think, played very well, and I don't think we have to worry about them having a season like last year because I think they have a lot of talented players. They're just kind of they're gelling still, and I, I think Pellegrini is going to figure it out sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, they're trying to get their first point. The only team in the Premier League without a point. They're going to play Wolves next Saturday. The other results, Bournemouth and Everton playing a cracking game. Two-all draw at the Vitality Stadium where Charleston got sent off. Walcott scored again. Um, Nathan Ake getting the tying goal. It was a wild, wild game. Huddersfield and Cardiff, scoreless draw. Neil Etheridge keeping another clean sheet. Huddersfield get their first point. Cardiff still the only team in the league that have not scored a goal a goal I should say. I think I almost said gold. Anyways, Leicester beat Southampton 2-1. Harry Maguire with a phenomenal finish and he is now the hero that Leicester need and deserve, taking his shirt off, replacing Jamie Vardy with that beautiful strike to get Leicester's second win of the season and finally the best performance of the weekend in my eyes, Fulham beating Burnley. 4-2. This was the Fulham that everyone wanted to see play. Mitrovic with a brace. Sari with a beauty. Sherler scores. Burnley has been terrible. If Man U don't beat Burnley, Mourinho might be fired because Burnley have now conceded 10 goals in their last three competitive games, including their Europa League loss to Olympiacos in Athens. Burnley is going to play in the Europa League again on Thursday and probably get knocked out and will not be the third English team in the group stage. So that moves us on to the best of... What was your favorite goal of this weekend, Esteban? I got to go with uh, Sari's goal. That was a beautiful strike.
1: So I would also go with Sari's goal. Uh, it was just incredible to see, and especially since it was so early in the match, it was very unexpected, but he showed his quality there, and it's it, now it's like, okay, Fulham's ready to play. Uh, it took a couple of weeks to get ready, but now they're going to do it.
0: However, I think they're good to go.
1: Yeah. I, I, however, if, you know, in in the sake, I, I want to get something different. I thought Ryan Bertrand's goal in the Southampton, uh, Leicester City game was excellent. Uh, just, I love those strong, top bin kind of goals that just look like a rocket. It didn't even look like it was moving up or down. Um, Ryan Bertrand is an underrated player in the Premier League. Southampton has been. I guess mediocre, but they do have a lot of talent, and that was a surprisingly decent game. Uh, Leicester City was better, and they deserved the win. And Harry Maguire was awesome, but I thought that Ryan Bertrand goal deserves a little bit of recognition because it might get forgotten as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a smasher, and we finally got a match day three where we got some open play wonder goals. Because the past two weeks we've seen a lot of great free kicks. We didn't really have many great free kicks this past weekend, but. A lot of good goals from open play. My favorite moment is Harry Maguire taking his shirt off and winning it for Leicester without Jamie Vardy being even allowed to play. That, for me, is just something where it's like, this guy was might go, go to Manchester United. He was a superstar for England at the World Cup, and now he's continuing that form. And I think it's just so great to see players continue their form post-World Cup. And thus far, in all honesty, in the Premier League, the team that's had those World Cup stars continue that form are the England players. Kane, Trippier, Maguire. They've all played really well so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me a little more excited uh, for England and the you know, the Nations League that's going to start next week. It feels like they came back from the World Cup energized when most players came back pretty tired, uh, which is surprising since, you know, they play in the Premier League. It's the most demanding league in the entire world. I don't know how long the form is going to last, but I think that confidence boost of performing so well for England after so many years of disappointment is just elevated these players to another level. And I think that's a really good sign for these the, the England national team. They might actually maybe win an international tournament or something. Who knows? But I'm really excited for the... I'm very excited for the Harry Maguire goal. I thought that was awesome. Uh, that would have been my moment, but you picked it. So if I had to pick another one, um, I really loved that when Rashard got his red card, uh, it was from a I Honestly, I don't know if that should have been a red. I know it's violent conduct because he moved his head towards... Uh, the Bournemouth players' uh, direction. However, my favorite moment of the weekend was when he took down Theo Walcott in open space, right above the box, and he himself was given a red card. What was his name, Charlie Smith? I can't remember his name. I I think it's Adam Smith. Adam Smith. So Adam Smith takes down Theo Walcott Uh, And around the 70th minute, he gets a red card and he has to, after, you know, basically faking that he was headbutted by Richarlison, uh, gets a little bit of due justice uh, for for, uh, tackling Walcott on a breakaway. So I thought that was a pretty cool moment. And I thought, man, you know, sometimes karma does come back in the in uh, soccer. So.
0: Yeah, so uh, so those are the best moments. Best match, I thought, Bournemouth Everton. I mean, we got red
1: cards. We got goals. That game was bonkers. Oh, for sure. Uh, definitely Fulham-Burnley was one of the better matches. Uh, Man U-Tottenham was a terrible match. I just want put, to put that out there because it should have been a great match and the scoreline kind of thinks it's a great match but it was awful. Um, but I also loved, uh, really, really liked that Watford-Crystal Palace match just because it was... Just very back and forth, even though Watford was a better team and they were playing better than Crystal Palace, I thought uh, it was just really cool to see these two mid-table teams play such an entertaining match. And I thought, okay, this is is really... I hope this is the future of the Premier League because it seems like everybody's starting to be a little more attacking and offensive-oriented.
0: Right. So offensive orientation is really, really nice to see, and I think the league in general is shifting towards that, and it's been really exciting so far. Finally, uh, best player... Lucas Mora. That's pretty good. Would you agree?
1: Uh, yeah, but I would. I, 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 no, you know what? No, I'm going to go with Mitrovic. I thought Mitrovic was excellent against uh, yeah. Burnley. He's, he's, he was the best fantasy performer um, in the fantasy
0: Premier League because he got that brace, and I think he also got the bonus points for being the man of the match. He, I think, is on, is on pace now for to have a really, really good season. At least he'll score 10 goals this year
1: at least, you know what, I wouldn't be shocked if, he, if he's up there in the in the golden boot race. I know we were joking about that before the season, but I loved his performance. He was the perfect kind of hold-up play kind of player, but he also has a lot of creative players around him that can get him these crosses. And I think, uh, I think he's going to have a great season, which is crazy because Newcastle just threw him away, and they've been searching for a striker forever. And it's funny that after a season in the championship, he's finally been able to show off his talent. And I, th- I think he's going to have a great season. And I, I, I hope Fulham continues with these kind of attacking uh, displays, even though they're kind of weak at the back. But what are you going to do? You're starting Callum Chambers back there. Like th- You're not going to have a great defensive team if you're doing that. Right. I, I think Fulham
0: is is going to be okay. I think this this was the game that showed everyone. They're going to play Brighton next week. Some of the other notable games for match day four. Liverpool are going to be at Leicester. Uh, West Ham look for their first points against Wolves. Chelsea take on Bournemouth. Remember, Bournemouth beat them in February 3-0 in a huge upset. Man City will host Newcastle. Arsenal against Cardiff. Can Cardiff score their first Premier League goal this season against Arsenal? Seems like that's the kind of thing that would happen to Arsenal because it's Arsenal. Man U against Burnley in a, prob- a must win game for the red devils and probably going to be showing off their brand new pink away kits that they finally decided to reveal after the longest time and then the big game of the weekend the perfect duo watford and tottenham meeting at vicarage road some of the other soccer results over the past weekend and happening this week live reaction esteban from the efl cup games going on Huddersfield lost to stoke two nothing and barry hino scored his first goal in two years
1: I'm so happy for Barry Hino. I used to love Barry Hino. I thought he was going to be an awesome player, but he just never really kicked on. I hope this is something that can just bring his career back to life.
0: And speaking of championship teams beating EPL teams, Norwich beats Cardiff on the road 3-1. So Cardiff is out of the Carabao Cup. Brighton is also out. They lost to Southampton 1-0. And then West Ham defeated Wimbledon 3-1 after going down 1-0. They scored three goals in the last... 20 minutes or so Issa diop the man who scored the own goal against arsenal getting a brace against wimbledon so a nice win for west ham their first official competitive win of the season elsewhere around the world of football juventus won again ronaldo still yet to score but ronaldo played a very good game barcelona and real madrid are the only two teams that are perfect in la liga um, some uh, exciting game yesterday in Serie A. Roma and Atlanta three-all draw. That was a crazy one. Dortmund got their first win of the season in the Bundesliga on match day one. They beat Leipzig 4-1. Dominant. Bayern Munich also won. PSG continues to be dominant as well. And in the championship, there's going to be a really big matchup this weekend between Leeds and Middlesbrough, who share the top of the table in the championship. But for the next show, Esteban. We are going to be talking about the Champions League and Europa League draws, because that's going to be happening, and I am pumped to see what groups we're going to get. We're in the full swing of things. Liverpool, Watford, Chelsea, and Spurs are perfect. City, Bournemouth are close. Man U's in trouble, and West Ham is stuck with zero points. Who knew that would be the case after three games? We got the fourth games coming up next weekend. Make sure to tune in for the next episode of the Top Flight Podcast where we predict match day four as well as break down every group in the Champions League draw and some of the notable uh, groups in the Europa League, most likely Arsenal and Chelsea's group, unless Burnley came back against Olympiacos on Thursday and made it to the group stage. So for Esteban Bailey, I'm Maury Benatar. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Top Flight Podcast. Make sure to tune in next time. See you guys then.